Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. Uh, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's uh, my honor to be able to speak this weekend. And uh, Germantown, could we give uh, just a warm welcome to our West Campus and our Appleton Campus, our online campus? Uh, we thank you for being with us today. And uh, did you guys have a good Christmas? Seven of you had a great Christmas today. <laughs> That's good. This is going to be a good service. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I hope you had a good Christmas. I had a gr- I, I love being a parent um, at Christmas. It, like, it, it's just, it's, to me, it's just a new layer, a new level of fun. Uh, by far, my favorite Christmas moment this Christmas was uh, my four-year-old son on Christmas Day. Um, he gets pretty excited. Today is actually his half birthday, and he's just as excited as if it's his real birthday, because like... He thinks it's a big deal, like he should get half a cake and half a present or something like that. But uh, uh, Christmas Day, he comes running out of his room. Of course, he's the first one awake in our entire house, and he's already scoped out the situation under the tree and kind of eyed everything up. And he comes running into our bedroom, and he says, Mom and Dad, Santa came. And guess what? We said, what? He's like, he used our wrapping paper. <laughs> Just pumped out of his mind and as innocent as can be. But, uh, you know, parenting is is certainly a lot of fun and certainly has its set of challenges. Um, If if you are a parent here today, you know that it does have its challenges. And, uh, you know, I have found that I, in the area of parenting, that seems to be one area of my life that I, I sometimes compromise, okay? If I'm just to be perfectly honest with you, I just... Uh, sometimes just let some things slide, and sometimes... Have you ever done one of these things where you, you see your kid uh, doing something naughty, and you almost, like, try to ignore it? Because like, you're like, I just don't want to deal with that right now. I just, uh, I'm just going to pretend I didn't even see that. I find myself sometimes, maybe I'm the only one, compromising from time to time. Um, and with your first kid, I have three children, and so I can't speak beyond three. I don't know what that's like, what kind of craziness is out there after three kids. But uh, with my first kid, it was one of these things that we, me and Amanda, we, uh, you know, we did everything by the book. And when I say the book, I'm not talking metaphorically. Like, literally, there's a book that tells you everything to do as a parent. And so we're like, man, we got to make sure if the pacifier falls on the ground that it gets sterilized in boiling water. <laughs> You're laughing because you think that, that is ridiculous. And then, uh, uh, you know, you have to have this schedule, you know. I don't know why. It's, it's pretty arbitrary a lot of the times, but got to have this schedule and everything's got to be in order and all these things. And me and my wife are both pretty detailed type people, so you can imagine, you know, what that would be like with a kid. And then, you know, when it comes to sleeping schedules, we're kind of like, which that's uh, oxymoron, by the way, but uh, when it comes to sleeping schedule, we decide, you know what, we have to make sure that um, the, you know, our baby can learn how to put them, you know, themselves to sleep and we, 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 you know, let them cry it out every now and then once they got a little bit older. And, uh, but if it was not really an option to bring him in, into our bed, it was kind of like, you know, we got to make sure we do this right. And by the time you have your third kid, I'm just telling you, a lot of those things are out the window. The pacifier is maybe getting a wipe on your shirt. Um, might even let the dog lick it off from time to time. It was, you know, kinda, that's our sterilization. And then, you know, when it comes to schedule, you're like, there's some nights that I feel like we should, you know, the kids should go to bed at 6.45. And then there's other nights where it's 9.30. There's not really much, of, you know, we try, you know, I'm not being crazy. We try to, you know, somewhat have some consistency, but it, a lot of that is out the window. And, you know, when, when it comes to sleeping in the middle of the night, I have found 
that uh, we have a, uh, like a 14, 15 month old right now and uh, uh, it's not that I don't know, it's that he's in between 14 and 15 months, okay? So uh, he's somewhere right in that ballpark. But he, uh, yeah, he doesn't like to sleep at night, and, but he will sleep 100% of the time for the entire night in our bed. So I'm just going to say he's in our bed from time to time. So that's all I'm going to say, but I um, won't even get into that much. But uh, I have found that as a parent, it's very easy to compromise. It's very easy to just kind of cut corners a little bit here and there because sometimes it's just too tiring to, you know, I'm going to die on this hill type moment with, these, with, with children. And so maybe you're kind of the same way. There's maybe certain areas of your life where it's very easy to compromise. It's very easy to kind of cave in. Maybe this Christmas you let your kids talk you into opening a present early because that's always was my that was always my goal as a kid. Did anybody let their kids open a present early? Wow, we have such oh Bruce. Okay, there's a kid raising their hand. So um, it's easy to compromise, but there's one area of our life that as Christ followers that we've been instructed to and we um, have been encouraged to throughout all of Scripture that we cannot compromise, and it's in the area of our faith in God. That Not that we're going to be perfect or anything like that, not that we're not going to make mistakes from time to time, um, but that we're not supposed to compromise our faith. We're not supposed to willingly say, you know what, that's just not that big of a deal. I can just kind of cut this corner. I can. To have that attitude, the same attitude I have sometimes with my kids, I cannot have that same type of attitude when it comes to my faith. And the Bible encourages us to have a bold faith, not just to have a passive faith, but to have a bold faith uh, in God. And there's a story in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to get there in just a second. But there's a story in the Old Testament uh, that's one of the greatest stories of faith in the entire Bible. And it's, it's a story that um, if you've grown up in church, you probably heard this early on, maybe several times as a kid, but it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and getting thrown into the fiery furnace. And it's one of those stories that has become somewhat of a famous Bible story, and my fear with sometimes famous Bible stories is that we skim over them, or, or sometimes they lose their significance that we don't really look at, wow, how incredible that story really is. And I, it's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. And just to kind of give you a little bit of context of um, the, kind of the background of it. Uh, the book of Daniel is a prophetic book of the Bible, and if um, I didn't know this until actually recently that uh, exactly, how, I, I didn't hear it like this before, but the Bible, um, I knew that the Bible was not written in chronological order necessarily, that it's not straight up from beginning to end. I know that the New Testament happened before the Old Testament and all of that, but the, the, the Bible is broken up into sections, basically. Like there's different types of books that are categorized together, and Daniel is in the middle of the prophetic books of the Old Testament, and so actually one-third of the Bible is prophetic in nature, talking about things that are going to happen in the future, because God wants to not only warn us, but encourage us about things that are going to happen uh, in the future, and so the book of Daniel falls in that category of being a prophetic book, and any prophetic book has a unique application to us today in 2014, almost 2015, has a very unique application because it's something um, that's, that's warning us. That th the book of Daniel is actually talking about the end times. Uh, the first half of the book is more stories of Daniel, and the second half are dreams of Daniel, which are for telling things that are going to happen in the end times. And I believe we are living in the end times, and we're going to uh, you know, talk a little bit about that today. And there's some things that parallel in this story that are very much applicable to us today um, 2,500 years later. Um, the, this book was written in 500 B.C. 
And so I'm always even more impressed with the faith of the people of the Old Testament. Just to be honest with you, like the New Testament, I don't mean take anything away, but a lot of the men in the New Testament literally walked the face of this earth with Jesus. They saw miracles. They, they saw him come out of the tomb. They saw him die and, and, and rise again after three days. I'm just telling you, I, I don't think it takes as much faith as that as it does for some of the people in the Old Testament who have never seen Jesus. They have never, it's just been prophesied about. So I think there's a, just a next level of faith involved uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar is the, is the king at the time in the, in, the, um, in the area of Babylon, which is current-day Iraq. Uh, Babylon is like 50 miles south of current-day Baghdad, just to kind of give you some context there. And what had happened is King Nebuchadnezzar had a big-time ego, and he went around just conquering different areas as every crazy king did in those days. And so there was always a different one that was, that was kind of just taking over uh, areas of the world. And he had just conquered Jerusalem. He had taken over Jerusalem. And so all of the Jews in Jerusalem were, were brought into slavery under the Babylonian Empire. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar said that I want the best and the brightest, and I want all of the best and the brightest to work directly for me in, in his empire. And so that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were the best and the brightest. They were amongst some of the best and the brightest, along with Daniel, by the way, but they served directly for King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he had just built a 90-foot statue that was made of pure gold. It's got to be worth a little bit of money. Uh, nine feet wide, 90 feet tall, and that's where we pick up the story here in Daniel chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 4. It says this, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, Zither. Can everybody just say zither with me real quick? Just think it's a real fun word. Not quite sure what it is. Lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. We're going to stop right there. We're going to read through the whole story today, but we're going to read a little bit and then, and then talk about it. But there are four certainties of bold faith that we see here in this story. There are four things that will always be true of somebody who has bold faith. And today, you know, I don't know about you, but my, I always kind of look, you know, end of the year and, you know, this is the last weekend of the year and all of that and uh, look back on 2014, but also look ahead to 2015 and what are some things that I want to have happened. And so I go through even financially, you know, my wife and I, we set some goals for 2015. Here's, you know, where we like to be and things like that. These are some things we'd like to do. Um, you know, I, but I do that spiritually too, you know, maybe you have different areas of your life that you set goals, but, um, spiritually speaking, one of my goals, and I have some tangible things that I've kind of outlined, but that I would have a bold faith in 2015, that I've have a faith that's not passive that I have a faith that maybe steps out a little bit more than I currently do, that I have a, have a faith that's very much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe that is your prayer today as well. But the first thing we see here, and it's, it's, it's real, uh, real simple. It's a simple message today, but bold faith will be tested. Bold faith will be tested. Not it might be tested or sometimes it's tested, sometimes it's not. Bold faith will always be tested and there's two types of, of testing, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about both of them today. But the first type is when, um, you know, you're going through a difficult circumstance, and as a result, it, it makes you, uh, it, it kind of tests your faith a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But what's happening directly in this story is that their faith is, is kind of, it, it's being tested in a different way. It's the second type. Their faith is actually being challenged 
in this story. It's not just being tested, like, hey, you're going through a tough time, and, and, and what are you going to do? Are you going to have faith in God, or are you going to run from it? It's not that. It's literally there being told that you have to do something that violates your faith, and if you do not, you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. I mean, that's pretty hardcore. Um, that's, a, that's kind of a faith crucible in, in their life that they're going to be basically killed if they do not bow down and worship this golden statue. And, you know, at first glance, because I look at this story and I think it parallels a lot with our lives today in 2014. Now, I, I, I don't think that in our lifetime, I could be wrong on this, but I, I just don't sense that anybody's going to be faced with this exact type of predicament, that you're going to be asked to worship something, and if you don't, you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. That seems to me to be something that seems a little far-fetched for 2014. However, I do believe that the premise of the story is something that can and will happen in our lifetime. I, I strongly believe that we will see, uh, many of us in our lifetime or in your kid's lifetime or in your grandkid's lifetime, we will see moments where we are asked to do things that violate our faith. And if we do not, there will be consequences. I do believe that those days are ahead of us. And some of that is already beginning to happen. And I'm not going to get... I'm not going to get political or anything like that today, but um, we even saw it with Hobby Lobby, okay? I mean, you guys know the, the, kind of what's happened there, but they were asked to do something that violates their faith, and they were told, if you do not, you'll be fined up to $1 million a day. And we kind of know that it kind of worked out, and Hobby Lobby is, is it, 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 they kind of worked that all out through litigation and things, but they were very calm about it. They were very respectful about it. They weren't violent about it, but they said, we just can't do that. And so if you're going to fine us a million dollars a day, then start writing the fines because it's just, we just can't violate our faith. I've seen it happen. I've seen little things start to happen, start to, our, our, as our culture becomes more and more secular. Um, 20 years ago, okay, when I was a kid, I, you know you're getting a little older when you say when I was a kid, but when I was a kid, so um, I'm 30 years old. When I was a kid, you know, in elementary school, I remember I was in public school my whole life. And so if you notice there's anything wrong with me, blame it on the public school system, I don't know. But uh, I was in public school my whole life, and I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I grew up in St. Cloud, Minnesota. So an extremely Catholic area of, of the country. Both you know, cities have the word saint in them. And so um, I remember being in elementary school, and I never thought that this was weird until recently, actually. I was in elementary school, and everybody that was Catholic would get released for one hour every week they would get released from school, they would go over to the Catholic church, they would have their catechism classes, and they would come back. And there was very few people that weren't Catholic, so those people would actually have like a study hall or a recess. They would, they would literally shut down all teaching during that time um, so that you know, these kids could have their catechism uh, classes. 20 years later, you know, I was uh, two weeks ago, I was asked to be a guest reader in my son's class, in his 4K class. And so, the, you know, the kids get to pick out a book, a Christmas book, and then their parent can come in and read it to the class. And it's this big fun time. And, you know, my son is smiling ear to ear the whole time, that whole deal. There's their dads in their classroom and all of this. And so um, I go and do this, and he picks out the story, and he picks out his, his favorite Christmas book, and it's the story of the birth of Jesus. I mean, it's a picture book that real simply walks through scripture what happened um, at Christmas. And I just, I just told him, I'm like, I'm not sure, you know, I didn't explain it all to him. I'm not sure what the rules are. I don't even know. Maybe pick out another book just in case. And so I'm trying to explain this and all this. And we get to the class, and sure enough, 
Um, I show the book to the teacher because I'm not, I'm, not I'm not trying to cause a stir, and I have a whole other set of reasons for, for that to, as a pastor and all of that. And um, I'm not trying to cause controversy, but the teacher said to me, you know what, I, I could see it in her eyes. She was just like, man, she, I, I knew that she was a Christian, but she was like, we cannot read this book. I don't know how else to say it. It just, we can't do it. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to make any statements with that, but I'm saying that in 20 years, we've gone from... Facil- the, the, the school system facilitating church to the school system just completely wanting nothing to do with anything that resembles church. That's, that's a big leap to me in 20 years. 20 years is not that long of, of time. Um, I also, you know, right here in Germantown, um, we, uh, we, we found out that the Germantown High School uh, needed a performing arts center um, for concerts and things like that because they don't have one. And so uh, we volunteered. You know, that was part of the reason why we built the building the way we did and did certain things is because we wanted it to be used by the community. And there's a lot of different um, areas that, that use the facility for different things. And so we volunteered and said, we got, man, we got a great performing arts center, if you want to call it that. Um, we have a great area that, that, man, would meet all of your needs. We'll staff it. It'll be completely free. We would love to just serve the school district in this way, and they, they were very appreciative, uh, very gracious, and it was kind of one of those things, though, they were like, you know what, we just can't do it, and we were asking, okay, why is there a particular reason? They said, it's just because you guys have the word church in, in your name. It's up on the top of the building, and we can't go anywhere where they have the word church or any religious symbolism or anything like that, and, and um, just a few years ago, it was if you had a cross, that was a, that was a big deal, like any religious symbolism like that. But even if you have the word church now, okay, you can't, they can't use our facility. I'm just telling you, we're going more and more, and I just can't imagine what it will the next 20 years look like. I believe our faith is going to be tested um, in, in the very near future if it hasn't already. Not just tested like you're asked to do something at work, and if you don't, I mean, you always have the opportunity, you can, you can quit, but I'm saying, like, be asked to do something that violates your faith, and there will be a penalty if you do not do it. So what do we do? I don't mean to be Debbie Downer today or, or, or say sky is falling or anything like that, because the good news is, is that the Bible's very clear how to handle that. This is not new to God. These types of scenarios are not new to him. They're not surprising to him. This has been the cycle of history all throughout the years is that there's always going to be, you know, thing, there's going to be times where it's going to be good and peaceful and there's going to be times where there's going to be turmoil and there's going to be times where your faith is going to be tested. And so, first of all, I think it's important that we teach our kids. You know, that's, I, I think it's so important that we get our kids into church Get them in the life, kids, you know, at home. It's, I think, going a little bit, um, well, a little extra than maybe you did when I was a kid because when I was a kid, you'd get a little bit of church at school. You'd get a little bit of church at church. You'd get it maybe even on TV a little bit. I mean, it, there, it just seemed like there was more of it available than there is today. But we need to be prepared for our faith being tested. How do we do that? As we keep reading, we find out what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, 
If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I, I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. I love this, what they say. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I'm going to stop right there. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. See, bold faith not only will be tested, but bold faith will also, uh, bold faith obeys God instead of following man. If you're taking notes, that's the next one. Bold faith obeys God instead of following man. You know, they say no matter what you do, we're still going to obey God. And we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. See, what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they didn't need to pray about it. They didn't need to ask for advice. They didn't need to take a Facebook poll, which are always fun. They didn't need to weigh the pros and cons. They, didn't, they weren't trying to figure out, okay, what should we do? It wasn't a very difficult decision for them. It didn't seem like. I'm sure it was difficult, but it seemed like it was immediate. Like, we know what the right thing is to do, and we're just going to do it. We don't have to think about this a whole lot. See, I try to put myself in their shoes, and, uh, which is very difficult because the prospect of being thrown into a blazing furnace is just, uh, it's just beyond me. I can't even comprehend what that moment would be like to be put in that position. But I think I would begin to, at least in my head, I would start to think, okay, is there any way out of this? You know, is there... Man, maybe we could just sit, maybe we could look like we're worshiping the statue, but really we'll be worshiping God. Isn't that, wouldn't that kind of, you know, wouldn't that work a little bit? Or maybe we'll do the whole, you know, fingers crossed thing. You ever do that? You say you're sorry to your brother or sister as a kid and you kind of, nobody, so I'm the only one. Okay, cool. Uh, you do something like that, or maybe we just have our fingers crossed, or maybe we could, you know, bow down worship, do that whole thing just to kind of make sure that we live today because we're much better off living. You know, surely God wants us to live so we can make an impact um, with Nebuchadnezzar and all of that. And so we'll just ask for forgiveness later. God will understand, surely. I mean, we are facing death for crying out loud. Surely he'll understand that. But that's not what they do. They say it doesn't matter what you say to us. It doesn't, we're simply going to do the right thing even if it costs us our life. See, I believe Satan will give us ample opportunity for us to compromise our commitment to, to God. There's always going to be opportunity to compromise. There's always going to be little things that we could be like, oh, maybe we just give in a little bit here or there. There's always going to be opportunity to do that. But bold faith obeys God instead of following man. As we keep reading Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, Again, they're talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. And they say, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I'm going to stop right there. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. You know, we see that bold faith will be tested. Bold faith obeys God instead of following man. And the third thing is that bold faith believes in spite of what it sees. Bold faith believes in spite of what it sees. Can you imagine having that type of faith that no matter what it looks like, the outcome is going to be? And for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it certainly looked like death was a real possibility that day. That despite what they, they see, they say, not only is our God able to, but he will deliver us. That's an awful lot of confidence in God. 
You know, despite what I see today, despite seeing a, a, maybe it's a bad doctor report, a bad medical report, despite what I see, you know what? My God is able and he's willing to deliver me from it. He's able and he's willing to heal. Despite what I see, maybe there's a broken relationship. Despite what it looks like, it looks like, man, we're ne- this is never going to be resolved. I'm always going to have this tension with this person. There's always going to be this broken relationship. But despite what I see, I believe my God is able and he's willing to restore that relationship. You know, or, or maybe it's a, a financial thing. Maybe it's, you know, and we've all, we've all had our moments where it's, you know, the, the bank account is dangerously low and it's just, man, how, you're literally trying to figure out how to pay the bills and, and just, it's scary. But despite what I see, my God is able and willing to provide. That's a pretty bold faith. That's the type of faith I want to have. That's the type of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. I love hearing stories of faith like that because it builds my faith. And uh, one of the greatest stories of faith that I've ever heard is one that um, many of you have probably heard before because uh, when Hulda Buntane came, she's come two different times, she shared this story uh, in her video. But I'm just, if you haven't heard it, I just got to say it again because it is an unbelievable story of faith. It's uh, about 40 years ago, so this isn't like a crazy long time ago or anything like that, but 40 years ago there was, um, you know, Mark and Hulda Buntane are missionaries to Calcutta, India, and they were going to build a hospital there. And uh, when they dug down, they got some terrible news because the contractors told them, you know what, there is water like four feet underneath, you know, the land here. It's going to cost unreal amounts of money. We're going to have to dig way down, put an extra foundation and pilings and all of that. We're going to have to reinforce this uh, more than we thought. It's going to cost a lot more money. And they were just devastated by the news. And so they look down and all the contractors are, are around this little hole that you could see down and there's water four feet down into this hole. And they're all standing there and Mark and Halda are, are standing there as well. And Mark Montaigne took, takes a Bible, just a little Bible that he had in his pocket. He ties a, a rope around the Bible. And everybody's trying to figure out what in the world is he doing? And he begins lowering the Bible into this hole. And the Bible, as soon as it touched the surface of the water, immediately the water started to recede into the ground. I mean, this is something that had dozens of eyewitnesses. I mean, this is something that really, really happened. And they were just astonished by it. And the water just began to recede. It took a little bit of time, but soon all of the water was completely gone in this hole. I mean, just eyes popping out of their head. The contractors are like, what? In the, this is unbelievable. And to this day, that hospital still stands on that, on that place, and it's the driest area of all of Calcutta. And, the, and there's some, some people here today who have been to that, that hospital, and they've seen it with their own eyes, and it's, it's a pretty incredible story of faith. I want to have that type of faith, you know? This isn't something that just happens 2,500 years ago. This is something that, that happens today, that God sends to honor and bless and perform miracles for people that have a bold and audacious faith. That's the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. The last verse we're going to read is, is verse 18. They continue, they're talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, but even if he does not, so they, they're talking about he, will deli- he can and he will deliver us, but even if he does not, 
We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I love that, that verse, verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, bold faith is our responsibility, but the outcome is God's. Bold faith is our responsibility, but the outcome is God's. So often we get focused on the outcome. We get caught up on, is God going to perform a miracle or isn't he? Is he going to heal me or isn't he? Is he going to do this or that or isn't he? And he, he's, he would tell us today, that's not your responsibility, that's mine. That's, that's God's responsibility. All he's asking us to do is have bold faith. Now, at first glance, when, you, when I read this, because I, I was reading through this story about three months ago, um, and because uh, it's one of those stories that I tend to glance over, to be honest with you, and I was really just reading it and looking at it and trying to put myself into the story. And first glance, when I read, read that, but even if he does not, we want you to know, you know we're still not going to worship, it almost looked like they lacked confidence. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saying, we better give ourselves an out on this one just in case this doesn't work out the way we want it to. It's only, like I do this quite a bit when it comes to like sports. So like if my team uh, is playing and somebody asks me, and I, and I think that maybe it's, it's going to be a tough game, somebody asks me, what do you think? You think your team's going to win today? A lot of times I will say, well, I don't know, man. I, I think they might lose this one. And a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm kind of setting myself up because I don't want to be in a lose-lose scenario. Like, at least if, if they win, great, I'm pumped that my team won. But if they lose, at least I predicted it, you know? Like, it's one of the, does anybody else do that? Like, I do that from time to time. And so, because nobody wants to be the guy who says, man, my team is going to win. There's, there's a 0% chance they lose. They're going to dominate, probably win by 50. You know, it's just going to be this just absolute demoli uh, you know, demolition. But I'm going to, uh, nobody wants to be that guy, and then they lose. And not only did they lose, and you're feeling that, but you have to face all the people that you, you know what I'm talking about? So, at first glance, it almost looks like that's what they're doing. But that's not what they're doing. As I was just kind of reading through it a little bit more and thinking through it, that's not what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not giving themselves an out. It has, it's not that they lack confidence in God at all. It's that their faith is not contingent upon an outcome. It's that they say, you know what, our faith has nothing to do with how this turns out. We could go through this fire and we could die today. Or God could rescue us. And guess what? It does not affect our faith one bit. See, that to me is the sign of a mature faith. One that's not contingent upon an outcome. And I, I'm just telling you, that's, that's difficult for me. I tend to tether my faith a lot of the time to an outcome. At least cognitively, when I'm kind of, I'm like, man, this, this should work out. I have faith. Every miracle in the Bible starts with faith, and then God does a miracle. But why didn't you do it this time? Why didn't you come through this time? And if we're not careful, we begin to question our faith. We begin to not trust as much. See, my faith is, is not supposed to be conditional upon God's response. My faith is conditional upon his character. And there's a big difference between the two. It's never conditional upon his response. It's conditional upon his character. So my, my God is a healer because the Bible documents it all over the place. Even in the Old Testament, it says it's by my stripes that you are healed. My God is a healer. Therefore, I will trust him regardless of what happens 
in this scenario. It's not because he did heal me or he will heal me. It's not because of that. It's because my God is a healer, and I'm going to trust him because of that. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the, the problem with us reading this story is that we know the outcome, you know? Like sometimes that kind of skews things a little bit for us. We know what happens, and I'm not even going to read through it, but we know what happens. King Nebuchadnezzar turns the furnace up seven times hotter, throws them into the blazing, you know, he binds them up with rope, throws them into the blazing furnace. It even documents that some of the soldiers died while putting them into the fiery furnace. That's how hot it was. And in the middle of it, King Nebuchadnezzar says, are the, it looks like there are four men walking in there, and it looks like one of them is the son of the gods, which is kind of amusing because it's before Jesus even, you know, it's almost prophetic in nature that even King Nebuchadnezzar is admitting that. But he goes so far as to say, you know, they come out of the furnace completely unharmed. They don't even smell like smoke, you know, and, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is so astonished by their faith that he promotes them in his kingdom. And not only that, he says that if anybody speaks bad about the God of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will have their house destroyed and we will cut them up into little pieces, okay? So... Apparently, he just can't stop being crazy, but uh, he's always just got to take it to the next level. Like, why do you have to be so violent? But, but he's so astonished with their faith that he even goes as far as to defend their faith. See, bold faith has a tendency to, to move those around us. I mean, I'm just telling you, when, when somebody sees somebody that has bold faith, even if they don't align with what they believe in, even if they're not you know, sold out to what they believe in, I'm telling you, it, it moves people when they see somebody that has audacious and bold faith. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not know the outcome. They didn't know that they were going to get rescued that day. I mean, they, they thought they would, but they, didn't, they weren't 100% certain that that's how it was going to end up. But their faith was not based on a response. Their faith was based on the character of God. You know, it's a, it's a pretty incredible story. And, uh, you know, the question for us today as we kind of wrap up today, it's, uh, the question is, will we have bold faith in the middle of the fire? Because I, I, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to have bold faith before the fire or have bold faith after the fire, you know? But will we have bold faith in the middle of the fire? And I don't know what it is you might be facing today. There's a lot of different types of fires that maybe you, you're facing at this moment. Maybe it's uh, you lost a job or it's a broken relationship. It's finances. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's the death of somebody close to you. Maybe it's a wayward child that is just ripping your heart out. I don't know what the, your fire might be. Maybe it's you're being asked to do something that compromises your faith. Maybe you align pretty closely with this story that you're, maybe it's at work. You're being asked to kind of cut some corners ethically and you're caught in the crosshairs of that and trying to figure out how do I navigate this. I just want, hope that you're encouraged today to have a bold faith, to step out, to say, you know what, God? The outcome is not my responsibility. You've just asked me to have a bold faith. Just another quick little note that I think is, is pretty interesting. You know, so often we want to stay away from fires. Like, if I can just avoid fires at all costs, that's, that's my goal in life. But God's saying, stop trying to avoid the fire. Stop trying to avoid the fire and just simply let me walk with you through the fire. Stop trying to just get out of the fire and just let me, let me lead you through it. Because I believe that sometimes it's the fire that frees us. 
you know, the, the ropes that bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that bound them in that fire. It was the fire that burned the rope off and allowed them to get out of there. And I believe that sometimes it's, it's through the fire that we're free. Sometimes it takes walking through the fire to have freedom. What's awesome about the God we serve is that he's promised to walk with us through the fire. You know, as a parent, I have a lot of uh, go-figure-it-out type moments, is what I call them, where my kids are coming to me and they're saying, man, I, I need help with this. Or, and there's, you know, I'm, a lot of times I am, I'm helping them, I'm walking them through it, all this kind of stuff. There's just certain times where I'm like, I don't know, you're just going to have to figure it out. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. I don't know if anybody has had a parenting moment like that where you're like, ah, just, just, you're going to have to figure this one out. God doesn't have those moments with us. Not that there aren't times where he lets us struggle with some things, but he doesn't ever just say, just go figure it out. I think sometimes we think that he does that, like, just, I don't know, just figure it out on your own. But he says, I will walk with you through the entire thing. If at any moment you need, I'm right here. I am walking with you through it. There's a, there's a passage of scripture, I'm going to close with this, that um, kind of really reveals the character of God to me. And it's Psalm chapter 23. And many of you, have, you know this. Many of you have probably memorized it before. But I'm going to ask, just if you do something, would you just close your eyes with me? And as I read this, I just want these words to just soak into your heart. You know, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. And that I pray that your, your faith would be built up today as we read this. Psalm chapter 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we thank you for that promise. We thank you that regardless of what it is that we might be going through, regardless of what fire we may, might be facing, regardless of our faith being challenged and tested, God, that you have promised that you will be with us through the entire thing. God, I pray today that Myself, personally, that in 2015, I would have a boldness in my faith like never before. I pray for us as a church that we would be filled with people who have a bold and audacious faith. That when all of us come together and have that bold faith, that it can move mountains. God, that it can make an impact on our city. God, we just ask right now for your boldness in faith pray all this in your name. Amen.